Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. Sea Love podcast, and I do hope you are all keeping well. It's April 12th here, and um, the UK is taking steps to come out of lockdown. Retails opened, restaurants, and pubs can be open for outdoor drinks yeah food as well the sun is shining but there's a very bitter wind we've been having some as i like to call it some kinky weather recently snow hail rain and sun and then some more snow and some more hail all in the same day in a matter of hours and i'm saying to myself when I'm seeing it, yeah, we've really fucked with the climate now. Yeah, this is like, you know, that idea of the chickens coming home to roost. of what the Western world has been doing to the environment, to Mother Nature. Um, so this episode with Rashika Ahmad is all about herbs, herbalism, plant medicine and body wisdom and it was recorded in January 2021. I had a bit of a mix up with the order of episodes so uh, yeah but it's coming out now it's coming out today all right and um, listening back to it when I was editing it was just like oh yeah I remember this it was so it was so lovely to talk yeah it was a really warm and generous and open conversation you know how she's a herbalist a western herbalist but then has roots within indian herbal ancient medicine and how there's cultures and communities around the world who have this ancient medicine using nature and the natural resources around them to to heal themselves to keep themselves well and how now within the western world we're so far far away from that indigenous knowledge and wisdom and if only we we could tap back into that actually listen respect and acknowledge that knowledge and practices then we wouldn't be in the place that we are today with I go back to that snow and that hail and that rain and sun all in one day. Yeah. So out today, 
early walking along the front yeah with alan and um 20,000 steps there and it was good to be out walking a little bit further than usual along the front colour coast to Whitley Bay all along to St Mary's Lighthouse and really haven't been there <laughs> in the past year but it was good to stretch our legs a little bit further because that's what I'm trying to do in this episode there's that we have that conversation about the vaccine and the scare stories that have been going around about the vaccines and that was in January and I do mention the idea of debating if I'm going to be getting the vaccine or not but I have had it I had it in March I had my first my first shot in March and the next one's due in June. We'll see if that happens. But what I've been thinking and feeling recently is the idea of like, we've had a whole year of being inside, not venturing too far away from home to keep ourselves and everybody else safe. But now, I have, as I've been mentioning, there is a, a quickening in my energy and there is that, that need and want and excitement, which is coated in fear about getting back out into the landscape. And as I've mentioned, I am the writing residence for Northumberland National Park. So I need to get out into Northumberland. But at this moment from, you know, sitting in the comfort of my own home and then just really walking around my neighborhood, it seems so vast and so far and so, such a major step to take so what I'm saying to myself and what I'm hopefully practicing in the next few weeks is taking those small steps slow and steady widening out my circle of where I am allowing myself to walk Okay, there has been the lockdowns, there has been the restrictions, but at the same time, there's been that internal fear and pressure on myself to stay close to home because it's safer. And now it's almost like peeling off these layers that I've been having around me of protection and keeping safe and being vigilant and not getting complacent by any means, still having those um, uh, precautions in in place, keeping my distance, the mask, gloves, the hand sanitizer, but trying by just taking these little steps to venture further out. I need to do that, you know, as I've said, for the position of writing residence, but also for my own sanity, you know, just we just when we were getting into lockdown i'd just qualified as a lowland expedition leader with a bunch of other black women in in connection to the wayfinding project and we were making the plans to go back out in the spring uh, lead out some groups and it didn't happen and then since then march 2020 to over a year now we're in april 2021 those skills that we learn and were so eager to put into practice have been lying dormant. They haven't been need. I haven't needed a compass and a map to go around to my local neighbourhood. Just didn't need it. I didn't need to bring out my my um, safety blanket just in case we had an accident and we needed to keep warm. So all this new knowledge that was that was in there that we were practicing that's going to have to be relearned um before I, I feel confident enough to actually lead groups out within the northumberland countryside so i have to take some time um and space to build up my confidence again and i think if if we're not acknowledging this to ourselves and to others, then really, what have we learned in 2021? Things have changed. Normal as we know it, knew it is no longer existing, but this is, and we, I'm not even gonna say this is a new normal because it's not, it's, 
we're not living under normal conditions, whatever that may be. But also, I'm not going to be quick to get to the chase or get to the end and thinking like, oh, well, this is a new way of being. It's constantly changing. We're in constant flux, um, cycling and spiraling. And, you know, that's, that's just how nature is as well. To not acknowledge what we have learned from 2020 and taking this knowledge and using it moving forward, then, yeah, man. But yes, hope. I have hope. <laughs> you have to have hope. Anyhow, again, me just going on. But episode 025, I think so. Herbs, herbalism, and ancient medicine. Yeah, check it out. And um, let's hope you enjoy it. And then see you back here again for another episode, which should be coming sooner than the last one. But yeah, enjoy. Thanks for being here. Bye for now. Rashika, where are you in the world? What can you see? What's the weather like? We do this to situate ourselves. Okay, so I am in Walthamstow, which is in northeast London, the London borough of Waltham Forest. Um, I'm indoors and the sky is grey, uniformly. Although the clouds are moving and there's that big wind going on, isn't there? So I can see the birch tree, silver birch outside and fast moving clouds. Somewhere I... Somebody told me, I think, or and I'm trying to find where you read it. Maybe it's John Muir, but that idea when you're in nature, you're actually inside. Yeah, that we, we say that we go out to nature, yeah. and go yeah, but yeah, really, yeah. when we're in our usual lives city or doing our day to day stuff indoors, we are actually outside because nature is where it's all happening that's the connection and it's to go into nature I need to find out who said that but I'm asking you this because like how do you get into nature now presently because we're back in the lockdown um so how are you trying to get inside of nature back back inside so different ways, I guess. Um, one really blessed way that I've had in the last year is um, that we are making a, a bit of a patchwork, a little series of different gardens where we're growing medicinal herbs. Um, mm. They're all quite close to where I live. So it means that we're regularly getting going into the gardens because we've been planting them up. Um, and working in them since sort of springtime of last year. Mm-hmm. So right up until December, I had been going to these gardens weekly with our little crew and we were able to do volunteer sessions as well mm-hmm. and there's one really amazing site one of the four which is a huge one on a big hillside in a in an area called Chingford um, and that is just stupendous because it's huge it's an old allotment site um, being on the hillside it's got this incredible view over these reservoirs so you feel like you're really out of the city there mm-hmm. and um, there's a lot of old trees, particularly a few really old mature oak trees there, um, as well as uh, loads of overgrowth of bramble and blackthorn. So it's a real habitat for creatures. And when you arrive there, there's always loads and loads of birds twittering. So that does feel like being out inside, let's say. Um, <laughs> I was going to say outside, but no, in the lockdown, it's kind of walking through the streets. I'm just always looking at the plants as well, like all the green leaves growing out of the cracks and whatnot. So Chigford, um, I'm thinking that is that class as a suburb of London? So it's E4. So it has got a London postcode, but it is it does start to go into Essex so it is right on the edge yeah and when you go to Chingford it definitely feels like a town outside yeah. of London yeah 
you're saying about going outside of the city but you're still noticing the stuff that's happening within the city and and I think my focus this year is going to be more on urban urban green spaces because I think this last year has proven that we need to appreciate more what is on our doorsteps and we have been exploring more on our doorsteps because of that forced closeness to home but thinking before we go into that Mm -hmm. a lot what is your profession because you've just said herbs and herb gardens and I am really really bad on herbs Um, so I'm thinking (laughs) you actually be growing them you need some some training or technical or you know some education so what is right. your profession and how did <laughs> you <laughs> well I definitely I'm not um yeah I haven't I'm not a herb grower yet or I sort of am I'm b- beginning to do it but my f- field my profession is herbalism I'm a what we call a medical herbalist mm. um which is somebody who is in my case I've studied um and I'm qualified to treat people with um with plant medicine mm-hmm. uh, in a clinical way uh, but it also involves lots and lots of other activity so this herb garden one is um very community oriented so a big part of my practice is sharing the knowledge of of herbal medicine in the community um mm-hmm. to make it you know ever more relevant and useful mm-hmm. for people's health because as well as treating people you can also support people to learn how to use it themselves because people always have done it themselves. So yeah, the the gardens project is this one called the Community Apothecary, which is the idea of um, of us growing herbs that we want to grow and to use for medicine. Um, but in the process, everybody's involved. Everyone who comes to take part in it is also part of the journey in learning about herb growing, learning mm-hmm. about how to harvest them, what the different seasons are for different plants, and then mm-hmm. making them into medicine together. Um, so it's yeah I guess collective community herbalism I mean a number of things came up there but first of all it's not just that process of growing it is it it's also being being outside which Mm. is medicine in itself you know know, just you've got it (laughs) (laughs) Um, so that you know mental health supplements or supports that but when you're saying about medical herbalism um, or herbalist, is this rooted in a particular culture? Because, um, as you says, we've all we've all done it through generations, used plants or herbs to support our well-being. But it has fallen out of favour because, you know, does it come under that idea of alternative? And I'm doing those inverted commas in mm-hmm. alternative mm-hmm. medicine. People say a bit dubious. Is that the word? Dubious. Like, yeah, that's a good vegan? word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nickel. <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> yeah. But as you're saying, it's it's a traditional thing and it's it's been taken over by modern medicine where it's scientists and it's doctors and they know best sort of thing. But really, do we not know best about what is best for our bodies, etc. Mm, you, yeah. you know, am I am I doing some thorny? <laughs> yeah. uh, brilliant, yeah. Lots of rich <laughs> points and questions in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you wish. <laughs> <laughs> and you've definitely identified one of the guiding approaches. I'd say of plant medicine is what you just said last about the body, about who is the expert in their own body, in their own health, and agency in healthcare uh, which you know with plant medicine with herbalism yeah it really is about knowing what your vitality is and what your body's doing it's not about you know medicine standardized medicine this medicine is good for that across the board Mm. it's really individualized in a way um, to your specific health situation Um, yeah but what was the what did you say before that because before that was even more what the idea of um we said about dubious but then outside and the health benefits of plant medicine but the traditions the underlying yeah. traditions yeah does this yeah. is this a personal cultural traditional thing for you and you've picked it yeah. back and run with it 
yeah you were asking about where is it rooted and that is the beautiful thing for me about herbalism about herbal medicine that every part of the world every culture has it in their heritage in their history what I studied um, was a BSc degree in what's called western herbal medicine um, and I chose to do that because I was living here um, at one point I'd been discussing with my mum the idea of going to study in India and to study Ayurvedic medicine uh, which is one of the ancient systems of India, one of the ancient kind of healing systems of life. But because those courses were tend, you know, tend to be offered in in Hindi and other languages, which I'm not completely fluent in, I decided to do it here. So it's a really interesting question that you ask because it brings up a lot of stuff around, okay, whose herbs are we using? Whose knowledge are we using? Uh, and the importance of something that can be called bioregionalism or connecting with the land around you and the herbs that grow near you. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of herbalists here and everywhere that would really focus on the importance of connecting with the medicine that's growing close to you. Um, rather than particularly now we've got these fads of superfoods and these exotic plants and herbs coming from really far away which once you get stuck getting into that then you really are looking at um, implications about provision provenance mm -hmm. exploitation of land and indigenous culture over harvesting of certain herbs you know once you're at a distance from it then you're you're less you have less um sort of control don't you about mm -hmm. what's happening mm -hmm. um but every, yeah, that's another really exciting thing for me living in London is connecting with different um, cultural groups, the diversity and the mix of people that live here. You're always finding out things about how people use herbs in their culture, in their tradition. And for me, that's really rich and really exciting because you've got this melting pot of knowledge and sharing of knowledge. Mm. Um, so yeah, nowadays we've got access to a lot of those different ancient healing systems that have stayed more intact, like traditional Chinese medicine, like Ayurveda, and there are loads of others from around the world. Um, so yeah, I'd say what I've studied is rooted in Western herbal medicine, but I do have it in my family history as well, funnily enough, like my parents are both doctors, but um, the generation above them was still using herbal medicine and actually you know you said about it being called alternative medicine mm -hmm. or complementary medicine yeah and that is the way it's seen here in this part of the world isn't it but in so many other places it really is the primary form of healthcare because it's the cheapest it's the most accessible mm. um people Trusted are still well. yeah yeah people are feel closer to it don't they where the, the kind of doctor with the pharmaceuticals is a step away. Yeah. So yeah, in my dad's family, there's um, his grandfather actually set up a herbal medicine shop and clinic about a just over a hundred years ago in Northern India, um, which I was always fascinated because it's still going now. My cousin is the doctor there now. And it's a system of medicine called Unani medicine, which was mm -hmm. kind of connected with ancient Greek medicine. Um, and so I used to go there as a kid and be really entranced by all these strange things. They'd give you like a little square of herbal paste on a bit of newspaper and you go and lick that and it was really sweet. And um, I've gone there now since growing up and having studied herbal medicine and gone and sat with my cousin and look, compared the herbs that they use and how they use them. So it's just um, amazing, really. Yeah. Yeah, that is. I mean, I love that you can trace that tradition back within your family. Um, so would you say that? Is it in your genes? Is it in your DNA? This, <laughs> <laughs> this herb, like plant medicine sort of thing, because I'm interested in those the things that we do get passed on to us. I mean, I know like in a family, if someone's a policeman and like you want to live up to what your father was say or your mother was and you're following their footsteps because it's what you've seen and it's what you've known um yeah. and you admire them that sort of thing and this could be the same thing in case of like you know you've seen within your family there's doc but is there something else that's passed on within the family that it is you are still a herbalist even if it's in western and do, do you know what i'm saying yeah, yeah. And actually when I, because it wasn't something I can, I went into immediately. I had taken another life path through my 20s and then came to this a bit later, kind of coming up to 30. 
And at that time, when I decided to follow this direction and study the herbalism, a cousin, I remember a cousin of mine saying, oh, look, it's in the blood. You've come around to it. You can't escape. And yeah, it's really interesting to look at that. One thing about the, the Wakana, the medicine house, where my dad's family are, is that it's quite male oriented, quite male dominated. So that my cousin is a guy. Um, everyone that's been adopted there has been one of the brothers of the family. Mm. Although now I think his partner um, is also practicing there. But yeah, that's an, you know, that's a little thing that I always come up against when I'm there. I haven't been there now for a few years, but that's something you notice and, mm. and kind of go, okay, how does that work? But not that they, I mean, we always make jokes and they always say, you should come here and be the Hakima, like the, the you know, the woman doctor. So yeah, there's definitely this feeling of continuity and then also a sense of like, ah, it's also different from, mm. you know, ways in which we're practicing ourselves now, nowadays, because the idea of, you know, about the history of healthcare and the inequalities in it as well mm. comes up, doesn't it? What we've been talking about, trust issue, um, if we're thinking, I'm not looking at the news, right, because yeah, yeah it's usually dire but something that I just looked at the other day was you know the health authorities and some MPs saying that and I'm using B-A-M-E because that's what they used in the article but I don't use it myself yeah. saying that we should be on the priority list for getting the vaccine because yeah. we've been disproportionately affected by the yeah. coronavirus and because also we're saying like we're in frontline professions usually yeah. that added thing of race should be put up, put on that or ethnicity what also came up was the idea of like the majority of us some kind of percentage um were dubious about the vaccine of taking yes, the vaccine I saw that yeah um, because yeah. there has been some scaremongering out there, and that's a loaded word as well, so I should use that with inverted commas, about mm. pork being in the vaccine and alcohol being in the vaccine. Right. And definitely, you know, putting out arguments there to make sure we don't have the vaccine and danger us even more of being infected and, and dying, basically. Um, yeah. But all this can be done because of that mistrust around the medical profession about the systems and how they are not got our best interests at heart. Mm. So when you're saying about herbal plant medicine, I'm thinking this is power because it is individualized. It is given back to the individual to choose and make those those informed decisions about how they take care of their body and when it comes back to that vitality you know exactly. and how we're trying to thrive and survive under a system that isn't <laughs> isn't set up to help us thrive and survive so when you're saying plant medicine it's a, it's a, it is us taking back our power remembering our roots do you have the plant medicine that will help against COVID <laughs> you know <laughs> because if you have you know I'll, I'll help you get it out there, you know we have many we have many Sherry <laughs> <laughs> um and <laughs> but you really just beautifully really beautifully expressed it there what exactly what um yeah making a talk this evening about you are radical Herbalism, yeah, um, and a lot of what you just said then um, is part of what I'm trying to convey is that the system that is destroying the land and the environments that are healing plants, as well as so many other plants grow out of, is the same system that is that you know crushes our agency and our ability to take care of ourselves. So it is a really deeply radical act, isn't it, to mm. access this medicine and to mm. use it because. It's a knowledge that can't be, well, it will try to, they'll try to do that, but it can't be commodified because the plant, if we know what the plants are and we can grow them, mm -hmm. of course it happens, doesn't it? That seeds um, are being, what do you call it? Patented um, and the industry tries to take medicines and make them into products. But if we keep that knowledge in our hands, it means that we, that can't happen. We can, we always can make it ourselves uh, and we can use these plants to help our health. So 
yeah I just want to say thanks for expressing it so <laughs> gorgeously <laughs> I, we'll listen back and we're probably not but you know it's I'm sitting with this that's the thing I'm sitting with it because I have myself expressed my concerns about the vaccine you know I'm not no one special I do chat a lot with the different people from all over yeah, in that one. yeah. and in it, and, but it does come down to a total mistrust and knowing that those that are in these positions that are making these decisions don't have my best interests at heart. That's why I have to think of myself because nobody else is thinking about myself. Because we're not on the priority list. I don't know. I'll probably not get it until 2022 anyhow. Well, you know, so I'm thinking, right, I don't have to make that decision at this moment. And I see that as a privilege, in a sense, that I can stay safe, be out of harm's way, and still live my life in a relatively good way and not worry that I'm going to be coming in contact with people who are infected because I'm not on the front line. I'm not in the NHS. I'm not in a service industry, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not an Uber driver. You know what I'm saying? It's a privilege that I am grateful for daily, daily. <laughs> so yeah, but this thing you're doing the day, this radical herbalism, you got me at radical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm making a little series and tonight's one is going to be about how to take care of ourselves in this time and you know who the people that you just spoke about for me it's kind of gutting that in the situation that we're in that herbal medicine isn't given more credence in the mainstream system because you know it's this very all or nothing scenario isn't it it's like only the vaccine can keep us safe and allow us to return to normal which you know um all of these things are part of the picture they're all kind of part of the truth aren't they but also that you must curtail your life and not really I've started to see a few things now in mainstream media about supporting your immune system but what I'm going to talk about tonight um is about how herbal medicine strength is in promoting and maintaining health so it's not even necessarily about using it just when you're sick yes. but how it's a prime kind of preventative health sustaining yeah. Yeah. type of medicine so that it, I feel much safer having herbs in my life on a regular basis and if people like the uber drivers and the supermarket workers and all the frontline people were able to if they don't already I feel like a lot of people who have it in their cultural uh, practice will be doing that you know a lot of the BAME <laughs> they have these practices or already as a daily thing don't they take using spices using antimicrobial herbs um, as well as other practices but yeah if people in general were having more access to that kind of health provision um, I'm sure that it could make for a better situation because that's it you know you're saying about preventative medicine and western medicine here is it's a case of like just treating the symptoms isn't it yeah. it's after yeah. And Absolutely. it's not actually getting to the root of root cause of a lot of illnesses. It's just let's treat yeah. this symptom and then we'll give you another pill because this pill is going to knock out that thing in you and it's going to make, you know, it's going to make you more sick. So we'll give you another. So that's how it's all set up. And it is because of money. It is because of money, the pharmaceuticals. So it's big money. <laughs> and we, we get our money off giving people these pills and keeping them hooked on these pills and making them think that you really need these pills. But yeah, a lot that, was so that was going down and um, <laughs> medical, medical. So, sorry, it's what's on my head, what's on my head. But no, let's go back. Herbalist, plant medicine. So do you have, and you treat people, so do yeah. you have your system set up in your home? You know, like for me in my home, I've got loads of paint pots around. That's my workspace, um, books. Um, I can see a couple of the paintings in the corner. <laughs> what gorgeous red colour. Oh, thank you. So that's uh -huh. my workspace. So what's your yeah. workspace? I mean, like, I don't think at this moment you've got people coming round to your house, do you? And at this you moment, no, sadly, I usually would. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, I've been doing consults online. In the summer, I was doing them outside on the marshes in Morthamstow, mm -hmm. um, where I live, because then obviously we could be outside more easily. 
weather-wise. But yeah, at the moment doing it online, it's a shame that I'm not at home and you can't see because in this new place that I've moved into, I've got all the tinctures and the, the herbal dispensary set up yeah. in the, like you with the paints, I've got the living space with the herbs in it, which mm. I do like, I yeah. think. Um, and, I've, you know, because it's my own space now, it's something like, ah, everything's where I want it to be and I can go and find things. So yeah, I've got all the herbs. So tinctures, which are liquid um, extracts of herbs. And then lots of dried herbs that I mix together to make tea blends. Mm. And then all the other paraphernalia that you have, like mixing jugs and, you know, bowls. And So how are you working now with the national lockdown? Mm. Are you just doing virtual consults? Or? Virtual, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty much all online now. So I'll set up a meeting like we've done today, a Zoom mm. uh, meeting and do the first consult um first the first consultation is usually an hour and a half to two hours um and that's the one where you've, you're investigating the what the person's come for help about and you look you go you look into their whole sort of explore in depth their whole health background and history mm -hmm. um so yeah obviously it's not ideal uh, and, uh, and doctors are having to do the same thing it comes with a whole lot of different it's a whole different situation isn't it especially if the health situation is such that normally you might examine the person looking at their skin or looking at a particular part of the body so that obviously is removed um but uh, i have to say with my consultations a lot of it tends to be talking about emotional underlying emotional stress kind of components of the situation um and being heard and being listened to so that's something that people express a lot at the end of a consultation they'll be they'll say oh wow I've just I've never said all of that in one go or it feels really good to express all this thing all this that's going on for me at the moment so yeah um it'll be online and then if we make a yeah if we go ahead with herbs I'll make a treatment plan and then I would usually put the herbs in the post for them or if they're local as it tends to be there's a lot of people that are close by I might deliver them or they'll come and pick them up but usually, yeah, we'd be in person in the yeah. same space. Yeah. And again, you mentioned local. The idea of, if I think about myself and my mixed heritage, I've gone outside of the UK to try and place myself or situate myself or find my home in that sense. And now I'm getting older, I've come to that conclusion that my home is my body, you know, so wherever I go, I'm at home because it's me, I'm taking my body. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, taking a circular route to come here. But at the same time, there's, I still want to root myself in a place. So Northeast Northumberland, the things that grow here or the birds or the trees that are here are still more or less alien to me because I haven't spent that much time finding out what each plant is or what its mm. uses are, etc. But I'm eager to do that because that knowledge actually feeds a childlike wonder inside me yeah it makes yeah. me <laughs> you know if I'm going out there and I recognize that plant you know yeah um and like oh I want to say Herb Robert you know Herb yeah. Oh, yeah. and I do that from a childlike wonder but I do know that historically it has been there as exploitation and a domination and to be used and how we are how we're in this situation now because we have exploited used and disused the natural environment mm. get that balance because you are using nature's bounty for human human health human how do you get that balance so it's a reciprocal relationship yeah. which it should be which it hasn't been it's been out of tunes for so long so for me you know I am and go to the sea and I give thanks or or I do I do talk I do talk to plants and trees you know to yeah. give my respect so how as you're working with plants how do you have that reciprocal relationship with plants does that make sense it definitely yeah 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 and it's such a key it's such a crucial part of 
uh, how humans have interacted with plants through the ages, isn't it? Because it was far more uh, kind of physically realized and understood what the power is that they bring to us, um, the life and the vitality and all of the many amazing ways that they give us life, isn't it? So I think it was much bigger part in the sense of, you know, like doing ceremony or ritual in, and still is in a lot of cultures. Um, so people here will talk about going to a place and leaving an offering um, when you're harvesting. For me, it's very, I think increasingly, I just feel like it's about, they feel like friends everywhere, you know, when you get to immerse yourself, like you're in the process of where you are, um, mm -hmm. where you get to know the plants that grow around you and you get ever more familiar with them. So they become like, yeah, they become like familiars and someone, there's that book, Braiding Sweetgrass, I don't know if you've come yes. across, and there's a part in that where, I think it was in that somebody was quoting a little bit about saying that the plants are like your family. Um, mm -hmm. And in a lot of kind of creation stories, there's um, talk about the elder, like the plants being certain elders, aren't they? Mm. Um, but yeah, for me, it's kind of like, like you say, talking and connecting with them as if they are, well, they are, they're part of your living landscape, aren't they? So you yeah. kind of, I always go around and like notice what's coming at a certain time and go and greet them and go and say hello. And there's the idea of asking permission if you're gonna be harvesting and picking. Mm. And also the idea of the intention, like if you're picking, herb for a certain use or you have an idea in mind like asking for help from the plant for that direction and yeah. for that use kind of thing I think it's really personal to the to you isn't it how you feel to do it because if you're looking at more at the sort of pagan or nature-based spiritual practices mm -hmm. then it, it could get much deeper in that way about how you how you pay that respect and acknowledgement of the, the plant life mm -hmm. um yeah, by leaving little tokens or, yeah, in the old days, it was kind of sacrifices, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and maybe bloody ones, yeah. <laughs> the harvests and whatnot. <laughs> but yeah, thankfulness, I think it's something I feel every day, a big time, a lot for these plants. I do struggle with names on naming. Because I know it's good. It comes in useful, right? If you're looking for a particular herb for a particular ailment, you need to know the name and what it looks like. But then also what comes with the naming, when white man discovered places and planted the flag, and I name you Bobby. Yeah, yeah. Bobby After me, my man's name. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there is that ownership sort of thing that comes with naming or knowing the names and and domination and I don't, don't I don't want to slip into that but the so it's for me it's finding that balance of knowing some yeah. names and maybe not yeah. knowing all the names I recognize you and do I do do I need to know your name because I recognize you it's like when you see that other black person on the street and you nod you know or you smile yeah Give them your own name, couldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Give it the name that you feel it is. Like, yeah, I was just researching about turmeric in the Ayurvedic tradition yesterday and uh -huh. um, found out that in Sanskrit it has at least 50 different names. Oh, wow. And I was telling my mum, she's like, why? Why does it have so many names? Partly, I think, because it was a very special thing for them, but also the names really reflected how it was seen or how it was used so a lot of the names that talked about the color the golden color or the yellow color um, but then there were also things like um uh, wins over disease that which kills fever that which cures infection all this type of thing so yeah the na the folk names of plants <laughs> in all the places where they come from can really tell you something about the cultural connection in the times when that plant was given its name and the significance for the people who called yeah. it that so yeah uh, interesting names because yeah the, the, the flip side I've just thought about like I want people to know my name <laughs> you know so like maybe the plants want the names become sacred when you mm. when you use them a lot and not you know not the scientific names necessarily and there's a whole lot of interesting stuff around that in the Linnaean 
system of um, botanical study and what the what where that arose and mm. how this guy divided not only plants but apparently human beings into yes. categories as well and there's yeah. this whole idea that racism itself came out of the study of exactly. you know the the global north or the western study of plants and that subjugation of mm -hmm. it um, but the folk names can be really powerful um, and carry a lot of energy in them yeah energy so do you have any favorites mm, yeah <laughs> there's always yarrow yarrow is a big favorite um, yarrow. okay i mean it's I one that many people would say is their favorite but i do yeah it's an amazing plant i know a, a woman called yarrow oh wow <laughs> That? Yeah, a lovely woman who also is a podcaster and a writer right. <laughs> she's lovely so what's so special about yarrow it's just the one that you see all around and you wouldn't know, like you'd know it if you maybe you do know it to look at um really and it um it tends to be everywhere and it's got this white flower that open comes in the summer and a very feathery leaf um, so once you'd seen it, I'm sure that you probably would I'm know have it. To look now for Yarrow. Yeah, 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 but that's yeah. it. Give me one and I'll look for it. And I go, oh, yeah, I know you. You know me. <laughs> what can it be used for then? So it's one of these that's got an incredible array of uses. It's, yeah, it's an amazing plant. It's very structurally, sculpturally beautiful, like a very sturdy stem and this leaf that kind of comes out at an angle very feathery um, but it's seen as a potent plant historically it's been used around the world um, in similar ways you know this idea of cultures that might not necessarily have had contact with each other but independently developed these uses oh, yeah, yeah. and it's got a, a strong connection with the blood okay. so what we call a circulatory tonic mm. um, idea is that when you drink it as a hot infusion it'll get your blood flowing so it can warm you up Ooh. um might be good after the sea good after the sea exactly <laughs> exactly yeah definitely um so traditionally it was used as a fever herb because um it would have this diaphoretic effect so when you drank it really hot it would bring the blood to the surface to the peripheries and help you sweat and cool off mm -hmm. um so there's this traditional mix of elderflowers yarrow and peppermint which all have this similar mm. effect of helping you um, break a sweat and release heat so it's seen as a good natural way of managing a fever rather than suppressing yeah. it you're yeah. supporting your body to manage it more effectively but also these herbs have also got antiviral activity in them in their oils that you smell um, any aromatic plants have, means you've got they've got oils in them that are working they're active against bacteria and viruses and different pathogens so yarrow is a good anti anti-infective antimicrobial as well in that way Oh, I'm going to be doing some research in a yarrow now. Thank you kindly. It, I mean, that's just the tiny bit. It's one of these where you're like, whoa, is there anything it doesn't do? The famous <laughs> thing about it was that it stops bleeding because Achilles was supposed to have used it. That's one of the myths about it. And its name in Latin is Achillea. Okay. The species, no, the, the genus name, referring to that use of stopping bleeding externally on the skin yeah lovely thank you i'm gonna <laughs> love that. thank you go, I... go and have a look go and have a I look no 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 i am going to oh yeah um it grows up there it definitely likes to grow by the sea as well um, yeah. but it'll be very little just now like very small and feathery and close to the yeah. ground because i think that if i'm gonna get into herbs and plants more i do think it'll have to be coastal ones just because that would keep me returning, you know, just yeah. coming out the sea, oh, who are you? <laughs> you know? So that would fit into my world much, much more. But yeah, I have to explore that because I am, I'm also, I'm all full of wonder for the natural world. So we're in another lockdown. Woo uh, are you Are you taking care of yourself? Because, you know, you did mention that in December, up until December, you were able to get out to the herb community gardens etc yeah, and get up yeah. onto the hill is that still possible now and yes or no what are you doing within that nature connection to keep that nature connection and then we're going to come back around circle but you know how are you getting into nature inside nature or how do you plan mm -hmm. to 
back inside yeah yeah and I think that's where what I said about you know just um, walking around the streets I real I find real joy in just seeing the plants that's when you what, like what you said about being closer to home and then necessarily noticing what's around you more and I've come to really appreciate over this last year the people's gardens and the differences between them and some of the front gardens where you're like oh that's a really nice one look at them and you can see like there's a herbalist person in there with the big bushes of sage and whatnot um, but also the things just growing out of the cracks and this time of year is amazing for leafy greens starting mm. to come like it is winter um, and partly I've been taking care of myself by just being cozy and like sleeping a lot and I've really enjoyed that more than any winter before I think but mm. also these greens that come everywhere like soon it'll be nettles and cleavers but there's loads of big juicy dandelion leaves around at the moment and kind of mustard different mustard family leaves and chickweed which is really a tasty one so like I kind of get yeah, I feel I get excited just walking around the streets and going, oh, look, there's that and there's that. And, you know, feeling that nature's everywhere, isn't it? It's coming, it's always coming through and the cities are sort of covered, like have stamped over all these natural excitations of plants. But I think a city, there's an idea of a city that can be really amazing, isn't it? Where you're living, it's living in concert and in collaboration with the plants rather than squashing them and blocking them. That's it, collaboration with the plants. If only more people would, you know, the world would be a better place for everybody, for every species. <laughs> I know, yeah, and it's kind of ignoring this essential connection that we have with them. I think that is, you cannot um, suppress it because in the city, so many people, you know, even in the tiniest of flats will be growing loads of plants. It's not something that can be denied, is it? Um, yeah. It's in us. It's really strong within us. Yeah. We should just stop fighting it, man. Just stop. Yeah. <laughs> Let it grow. Surrender. Beautiful um, illustrations yesterday. Somebody called Antoine Doré. I just came across it when I was looking for pictures for this talk. And they've made all these really funny illustrations of urban nature. And there's a man standing at the door of a tube train and out of the doors at, on every carriage like massive triffid plants coming out <laughs> would that be real or would it be artificial how people like artificial stuff rather than the real stuff i know yeah like our eyes have, and our bodies have been trained to look at the world in such a way that artificial seems more normal now isn't it and exactly. yeah perhaps it's about retraining again it is it is in that let the weeds come back <laughs> yes embrace the weeds yeah anyway on that note i'm gonna let you go lovely chatting with you um thank you so much for agreeing to come on thank, thank you so thank you so much for having me it's oh, been no. lovely. so thank you thank yeah, you so, so very much really nice bye. thanks a lot bye bye, bye.